Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, after those hymns, really don't have much to say. <laughs> Name above all names. What a phrase. Precious Lamb of God, Messiah. Wow. Yes, it's good to be in church tonight. Good to see that you're all learning Hebrew. So in the morning, what do you say to a person in the morning? Vogar Tov. That's right. What do you say in the evening? Erev Tov. What do you say to a person who's walking into a casino? No. (laughs) You say, Poker Tov. No. (laughs) That's terrible. What do I even say that for? All right. All right. This is not a good way to start our service here tonight. So here we are, Psalm 22. Now, if you can just switch gears into that serious mode, we're going to uh, open up the Word of God again to Psalm 22. And, um, and let's just pray. Father, we've been singing wonderful things about the Lord Jesus, precious Lamb of God, Messiah. Lord, we do uh, think of those words, oh, for sinners slain. So, Lord, help us tonight to see more, understand, enter into your sufferings uh, to your death. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 22, verse 1, this is a psalm, as it says, a psalm of David, as we've mentioned in the past. It doesn't seem like it's talking about David. It is a psalm of David, but clearly It's talking far beyond David to the Lord Jesus. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime. Thou hearest not, and in the night season am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confused. But I am a worm, no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope. When I was upon my mother's breast, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There's none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, for thou hast brought me into the dust of death. 
We've been studying here about the suffering, specific sufferings of the Lord Jesus, and this is so important for us. It's so important for us to know his sufferings. It's one thing to say, well, uh, Christ died for my sins, or he suffered and bled and died and was buried and rose again. It's one thing to say that, but it's altogether something different to know the specifics exactly of his sufferings. And this is what Paul prayed for in Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10, that he says, oh, that I may know him, that I may know him, that I may know his resurrection, the power of his resurrection and his sufferings, that I may know his sufferings, the fellowship of his sufferings. The prayer is that I may know his sufferings. And this is what Psalm 22 gives us, like no other portion in the Bible, the specific sufferings of the Lord Jesus. That's why it's so important to look at this psalm and to think of the words of, O sacred head now wounded, what thou, my Lord, hast suffered. That's what this psalm is all about. What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. My mind was the transgression, thine the deadly pain. Here I fall, my Savior, tis I deserve thy place. So this is what makes Psalm 22 so amazing because in this psalm, we get to hear the heart cries of the Lord Jesus. You know, this is so unusual because when anybody looked at the Lord Jesus on the cross as the Lamb of God, as the precious Lamb of God, the Messiah for sinners slain, when anybody looked at him, there was something that was very, very unique. And it was called out in Isaiah 53, 7. Isaiah 53, 7, where it talked about He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. So what people were impressed with when they saw him was his silence. His silence, he just didn't open his mouth. The high priest took him before the cross and in in the trial, he demanded, are you God the Son? And it says in Matthew 26, 63, Matthew 26, 63, Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be Christ, the Son of God. Pilate, Pilate questioned him, wanted him to make a defense. In essence, Pilate was saying to him, defend yourself. In Matthew 27, 12, Matthew 27, 12, when he was accused of the high, chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Again, stunned by the silence. Herod, Herod asked the Lord many questions in Luke 23, 9. Luke 23, 9. Then he questioned with him in many words, and he answered him nothing, nothing. Pilate asked the Lord where he was from. Where do you come from? Pilate wanted to know in John 19.9, John 19.9, went again unto the judgment hall, seeth unto Jesus, whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Herod marvels, the Lord is silent. Pilate marvels, the Lord is silent. Chief priest, the elders, and he's silent, you know, the cross, he's silent. And this is why Psalm 22 is so valuable, because it shows us the Lord was not silent inside He had plenty to say. The psalm starts off in verse one where it says, why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And then in the next verse, he says, I cry in the daytime, thou hearest not in the night season and I am not silent, not silent. So outwardly, he was silent. 
no audible words. Inwardly, words of my roaring, and I am not silent. Now, we saw already in the study here that, that the Lord said in, in verse 7, all they that see me, all they that see me. He was stripped of his clothing. It was naked on the cross. That shame of being naked on the cross goes all the way back to the fall, to the fall of man. When before the fall, Adam and Eve, in, in Genesis 2.25, Genesis 2.25, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And that was the wonderful innocence of man. But as right after man sinned, right after man disobeyed God, something very strange happened. He all of a sudden he becomes aware of himself and of his nakedness. It says in Genesis 3.7, Genesis 3.7, the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves themselves and made themselves aprons. It was the shame of their nakedness. And he said this, Adam said this to the Lord in Genesis 3.10, Genesis 3.10. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God used that shame. God used that fear to appeal to Adam's conscience. In the next verse, Genesis 3.11, Genesis 3.11, he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree wherever I commanded thou should not eat of it? You know, that was, it reminds me, I've told you before, it reminds me at the last Child Evangelism Fellowship booth at the Del Mar Fair, the Bible castle there. And I remember the, the kids come in there. Some of them are brave enough to sit in the front row in front of me. But anyway, the sister was, came in with her little brother and, and she was like this, you know. I thought, okay. And so I looked at her and I said, you know, I gave her my evil eye. I said, have you ever told a lie? <laughs> and so... She looks back at me and she goes, he has. <laughs> All right? So, <laughs> he has, right? Now what Adam did? Adam, did you eat of that tree I told you not to eat of? She did. Right? She did. The woman you gave me, she did it. She gave me. What could I do? But then the consequence of the sin is the feeling of nakedness, the shame of nakedness, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, Man is naked, he's ashamed unless he's clothed with better clothes than he can. You know, it's so amazing when you look at the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, and the church of Laodicea, they get far away from God, and as they do, and they look at themselves and they say, I'm not bad, not bad. Look, I got a lot of money, I've got wealth. I don't need anybody, I don't need anything. I don't need God, who needs God? God? Like this guy said one time in his arrogance, he made a lot of money, and his mother came to him, and said, uh, you need God. And he said, there's God? How much does he cost? I'll buy him too. So there's arrogancy, and that's, that's lately to see it. Revelation 3.18, he says, uh, he says, you think, God says to him, you think you are increased with goods, you have need of nothing. You don't know that you are poor and blind and wretched and miserable and naked. And then he says in, in Revelation 3.18, I counsel thee to buy of gold and try in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. How amazing to consider the Lord Jesus on the cross with no clothes, but he had no covering so that we might never be in that state. He was in that state so that we might never be in that state. And we might be able to say, like the prophet Isaiah did in Isaiah 61.10, Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. 
that is so great. That's so wonderful for us that we can say, he clothed me. You know, just like Adam after the fall, it says so wonderfully in Genesis 3.21, Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and beautiful words, three last words in that verse, and clothe them. God clothed them. We can imagine that they, they've sinned and Jehovah Jesus steps in and he says, no, no. He says, we can't have you like that. He, cl- he makes the clothes of skin and he clothes them. You know, he didn't tell the, the, some angels. He says, you know, they look terrible down there. You know, just, somebody go make them some clothes and cover them already. You know, but no, that wasn't what it was. The amazing thing was that Adam and Eve watched God make the skins for them and then watch God come and put the skins on them. And that's why Isaiah says in Isaiah 61.10, he is so joyful in the Lord because he is it. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. And we can just imagine that the Lord is, the Lord Jesus, the Jehovah Jesus is there covering Adam and Eve. And he's thinking to himself, yes, I'm covering you and I will cover you and your descendants and it's going to cost me. It's gonna cost me dearly because one day I'm gonna be on a cross with no clothing so that you and your descendants will have clothing. And we can imagine the Lord's thinking to himself as he's clothing them, yes, it's me in 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says, for he hath made him to be sin or a sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the the righteousness of God in him. So on the cross, he has his coat, his robe taken from him. It's gambled for by the soldiers below. He's uncovered and he's doing all this so that we can have a covering of righteousness. When the prodigal son came back in repentance to his father, it's interesting to see the first thing that his father does in Luke 15, 20, Luke 15, 20, It says, he rose and he came to his father, but when he's a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran, fell on his neck, kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. So the father of the prodigal son looks on the son and he sees the horrible clothes he's got on, he's wearing, and he says, no, What he's got on is terrible looking. Take it off and put the best robe on him. And can't you imagine how how, how the the prodigal son is there and he's he's looking at this robe and he says, says, boy, compared to the way I look when I came back. And this is what, when John was in heaven in Revelation 7.13, Revelation 7.13, one of the elders came pointing out the saints and he asked John a question in Revelation 7.13. Who are these which are arrayed in white robes? It's so striking the way, compared to the way that the prodigal son arrived home and compared to this is what Israel will come to see. This is what the Jewish people will come to see when they finally look at themselves like the prodigal son did in Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6, they look at themselves, Israel does, the Jewish people, and they say, we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there's coming a day when Israel will look at themselves and they'll say, I stink. I'm not just a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And all I thought were righteousnesses, those are terrible, filthy rags. And this is what happened when anybody is saved. They see themselves not just as a sinner, as a dirty, rotten sinner. 
And this is what's going to happen to to Israel when they they get right in line with Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, verse 5, Isaiah 6, verse 5, when Isaiah said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That's the key. When Isaiah got close to God, he saw his sinfulness. When a person gets close to God, he sees his sinfulness. The other day I was, I was driving into the chapel in the parking lot there, and there was another guy, and he was driving out the little road there, and he was getting ready to turn on Mission Gorge Road as I was coming in and going in the chapel parking lot. And so our cars came right next to each other. I rolled my car on my window down, and I said to him, I said, hey, you need to be in church. <laughs> he said, oh, no, <laughs> drove off, you know. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? Because the closer a person gets to God, the more horrible they feel for their sinfulness. But Job says, I've heard about you with the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes see you, and I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Peter, when he was close to the Lord, he said, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. And this is what happens. And so when Israel comes to their conversion point, when the Jewish people come to the conversion point, they are going to repeat the words of Isaiah 53, 6. Personally, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us, Saul. They're going to get in line with the we. All we like sheep have gone astray. They're going to say, it's not just he did it. He, he told the lie. It's going to be, we have turned everyone to his own way. You know what that means? That means, for example, if, you, if someone says, we have turned everyone to his own way. So a person comes to God and says, I'm a sinner. What do you mean? Well, I have sinned. What'd you do? That's the point where the conversion takes place. I'm a sinner because I did this. I am sinned because I did this. This is what's going to happen. When, when, just think of David, of King David. You know, the, the greatest of the great in Israel. He's the King David, the great King David. And the king, David, says in Psalm 51, 5, Psalm 51, 5, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. That's a great king who's saying that. You know, I remember that uh, one time when we just had moved into Cotty from our place we were leasing to the place that, you know, where we owned it, it was across town and we, you know, there'd be a lot of trucks and got everything all moved over and it was a great day and, and the assemblers were all together and so I decided, okay, I'm going to address the assemblers in the Spanish that I don't know. No, so that's why Deanna translated for me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm, you know, standing down here and they're here, you know. And I'm, I tell them my testimony, you know. And, and then uh, usually after I address the people, they all clap, you know. And, and so nobody clapped. Ooh, what did I say, you know? So I, I turned over to Deanna and I said, what, did I say something wrong? And she says, they're just used to hearing a president say he's a sinner. They're just not used to hearing King David say, I'm a sinner. But this is the entrance to God. Those are the words where, where when they're heard, God says, I can help you. I can help you. But if, unless when a person says, I'm good, there's nothing wrong with me, God says, I can't help you. I can't help you. Sorry. And, but this is when, but these beautiful clothes of salvation, these beautiful clothes of the robe of righteousness, they're there for anyone to take because he, has, he suffered on the cross with no clothes so that we could be clothed. And this is the call that's going to come out to Israel when God calls to Israel and he's going to say, wake up, wake up. 
in Isaiah 52.1, Isaiah 52.1, awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall be no more come unto thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Put on thy beautiful garments, just like us. The call is, put on thy beautiful garments. The call is Romans 13, 14. Romans 13, 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 27. Galatians 3, 27. As many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Those are the beautiful garments. It's the righteousness of Christ. Now, now, also we saw that, that the Lord, he, he said in verse 14, I am poured out like water, poured out like water. There's such a finality to that, being poured out like water. A, when you read 2 Samuel 14, 14, 2 Samuel 14, 14, you read about this and it says, very depressing at the beginning. It says, for we must needs die. It's very depressing. And are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any persons. Thank God it doesn't end there. But it starts off with, we must needs die, and we're like water that's spilt on the ground, and you can't gather it back up again. It's like, you know, my, my, I have two friends, two friends, two lost friends this last week, who both of them said to me, I don't know how many days I've got left to live. Very depressing. And this is what 2 Samuel 14, 14 is saying. We must needs die, and uh, we are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. And, uh, you know, one of them said, every one of us is going to die. Like, that's a big revelation. And there's no respect to persons with God. That's really depressing. In other words, nobody can come to God and say, oh, God, not me, not me, please. I'm different. I'm special. I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my life. You know, no one can say that. Because you said there's no respect to persons. We must all needs die. And that's very depressing. But wonder of wonders, in that verse of 2 Samuel 14, 14, there is the word yet. Yet, yet, it's wonderful. And it says that yet he doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. God has devised a way. God has devised a process or procedure. God has devised a, a means, as he calls it. He made a way. He made a way for, so that his banished would not be expelled from him. It's just like the hymn, love found a way, God found a way, wonderful love that rescued me, sunk deep in sin, guilty and vile as I could be, no hope within. When every ray of light had fled, oh glorious day, raising my soul from out the dead, love found a way. Love found a way. Yes, praise God. Let's pray to God because he found a way. Thank God. Love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Savior, my Lord, to die on the cross of shame. Love found a way. Praise his holy name. That's what 2 Samuel 14, 14 is saying. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Israel Restoration Ministries is excited to announce a limited-time offer for our Friendship with God Study Bible and Hymnal. This package includes a large-printed Genuine Lambskin Leather Bible featuring over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, maps, timelines, and frequently asked questions. In addition, you'll also receive our Friendship with God hymnal. This hymnal, the first of its kind, contains over 1,000 hymns and melodies, making it the largest collection ever printed. Included with your purchase, you'll also receive a complimentary engraving of your name on either book. For more information, Visit us at friendshipwithgod.org or give us a call at 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.